Hi all, I'm Hope, and this is Write For You, a podcast from the University of Washington's Odegaard Writing and Research Center, where we talk about writing and how it happens in a collaborative space and open dialogue. Together with a host of fellow graduate students, we'll explore the writing process, not as an ideal, but as it is actually practiced by our fellow intrepid writers, with pen scratching, keys clacking, and whatever else gets the words on the page. Consider me your disembodied writing buddy. Hello and welcome back. Today, I'm excited to bring to you a conversation with two new friends of the show, doctoral candidate Yoli Gandhali and master's student Glenisong Etchvari. This was recorded in April via Zoom in the midst of public health lockdown, so you may hear a bit of background noise from time to time. Although in different programs, Yoli and Glennis both share a commitment to public-facing scholarship, so I'm excited to have them both on to talk about their experience writing both within and beyond the confines of academia. Here are Yoli and Glennis to introduce themselves. Hi, my name is Yoli Gondoli. I am a fifth-year PhD student in archaeology. Hi, I'm Glennis. I am a first-year museology student, and I also work at the Burke Museum and the archaeology department. So excited to have them both on. Without further ado, let's dive in. Yoli, what is your writing process like? Thank you for asking that. Um, this has changed over time. I, um, starting off as an undergrad, I a lot of my writing process was um, procrastination. A lot of my writing process was trying to get a draft out as soon as possible. But as I came into graduate school, I definitely started doing a lot more drafts. So first draft was never the best draft and being able to move through many different iterations of a project. My writing process also includes doing more outlines and really breaking them down, breaking down each section into different parts. And then um, also uh, free writing. So when I'm getting kind of stuck on a certain thing, I definitely do a lot of free writing. All of this happens over several days. I try not to procrastinate as much as, as I can and move forward into doing things in smaller chunks. And that really helps to get some, some new ideas flowing through. What about you? What's your writing process like? Um, yeah, like you had changed a lot over time. I think when I was in, I guess, the equivalent of high school, I would, I was really used to writing everything at once at a set point in time and kind of in a really linear way because essays were exams where you had to sit down and just do exactly that. But in college, uh, it was a lot more, you know, having to plan out and stuff. And I wasn't used to that. And I thought that that was the best way for me to work would be to just sit down and write everything in the way that I originally wanted to structure it and kind of just everything coming out at once. And that just really wasn't sustainable. And like you, as time has gone by, I've learned the value of outlines and I'm still not good at drafts in my mind. I'm always like, I'm just going to write this once and it'll be perfect, but that's never the case. I'm very bad at asking for feedback in my writing. I try not to do it, even though I should. But yeah, I think definitely outlines have been my friend. And I think I've learned a lot more about, like you said, free writing, which I call word vomiting, but free writing sounds better. 
but yeah and then kind of learning that writing can be restructured and ideas can be moved around I kind of just sort of cobble things together and as I write I realize there might be a better way to place things like introduce an idea earlier or regroup it or something so it's definitely went gone from like a more sort of one directional flow to like uh, okay write different parts and then see what you can make I agree when I'm taking notes I definitely take notes on themes and then they go into the outline based on those themes and then to actually create a draft I kind of put those transitional themes together to create that first draft. A lot of those notes, like I said, do come from that that free write. And so I definitely have to take on to that next draft or else um, it won't make that much sense because a lot of my free writing is just speaking out loud and just trying to get words on paper. Yeah, I definitely do the same where I kind of just like, okay, these are the main ideas I'm gonna tackle. I'm going to write them down because I don't want to forget any of them and make sure that I hit all of these different points and then trying to find the best order in which to do things and group things together as arguments and then going from there. Yeah, I agree. And I feel pretty good about that. I mean, I've also noticed that I write best at night. So my writing process is definitely um, at home at night. I don't necessarily like to go to coffee shops to write or anything like that. I like to be comfy either in my office or in my bed. And that usually happens in the, in the dead of night. Yeah. I find that I write best on deadlines, which is terrible and I should not do that. And I'm trying to move away from that, but definitely I am a procrastinator. I need to feel the pressure and I wish I wasn't that way, and I think I'm going to try and train better habits. But yeah, I I am just naturally more productive later in the day mm-hmm. as well and at night, I think. But maybe because at that same time, I feel that pressure being like, I should really be going to bed. So the middle of the night kind of serves that function of deadline for me. I do, I think I used to write a lot more in coffee shops and places like that but I found that I need silence like absolute silence but I do like being around other people in my undergrad there was a one of the libraries had an absolute quiet room and you could sit in there and there'd be a bunch of people and you were not supposed to make any noises that didn't stop some people from answering phone calls (laughs) in that absolute quiet room but that was a good space for me. But I think I need variety because I've gone from there to like a kind of more cafe-like environment to having to write by myself in my room at home. I don't know if one of them works better for me than the other. Yeah, I tried to do a few different things. And with the cafe environment, I found that actually editing is a little bit easier hmm. for me rather than the starting a new process or starting a new writing um, uh, piece it's more it's more in the editing process once things have already been written and then if I print it out and actually go through and do a lot of the the copy editing that happens more likely at, the, at a coffee shop than um, at home yeah so how would you describe yourself as a writer the first thing I wrote here was I've had better days <laughs> but basically I think I'm not sure if this is true and I don't often go back to read old papers um, but I, th- I think I used to write stronger papers, maybe, but definitely my writing used to be less 
readable. Um, and there has been a big change, I think mostly because I didn't grow up in the US and I was very used to writing to my instructors were all like old British men. And then coming to the US and submitting papers, I found like the American style was kind of different. Um, and then I took a gap year in middle of college and that also made me change my approach. So I would say it's been a change. And I think I write a lot more for readability now. I think now my biggest priorities are usually to be to be able to summarize and to allow my readers to follow the ideas easily. What about you? Yeah, so for me, it's a learning and relearning process. Um, very similar to you, it's always, uh, there's always been changes in, in the writing process and the way that I am a writer. So when I first started, I, I really enjoyed writing from a creative writing type of process, like through high school and then um, into the beginning of college was all in creative writing. I never really had a foundation in any sort of research writing. And then, then learning in um, early college years to do more technical writings, because I come from a more animation background and a lot of computer technical writing. So then relearning from creative writing into technical writing, and then now in grad school, learning um, academic writing processes. And so it's always been this is new learning and relearning every single time. And so these are some things that I'm still working on, you know, to this day and really finding my voice. And I, I don't know if I found it just yet, but I feel like every draft and everything that I do comes a little bit closer to what that looks like. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up different styles of writing or for writing for different purposes. I did take like a creative writing class my last semester in undergrad and it was really fun. Um, I haven't done anything like that since, but um, my version, I guess, of technical writing is writing for the museum context. And I've been doing a lot of that recently where, you know, it's really important to document everything, every single thing you've done um, so that collection of staff in the future, 10 years, 50 years, whatever, know what you did and why and the reasoning behind certain decisions. It's very important to have all of that written down. And I try to do that in kind of a clear, systematic way and not be too descriptive or narrative or anything like that, just so that it will translate well in the future. Um, so I think that kind of technical writing has made me, um, yeah, has made me more aware of readability. I think it has actually changed the way I take field notes in archaeology, you know, working from the collections perspective. When I was a field school student learning how to do archaeology, learning to dig, you know, it was, we were told to write notes, but I didn't really know what to write down. Um, and then it was really only as, you know, working in a museum, I realized, oh, this is the type of information that's needed for, for the future. So definitely one area in which my writing has changed sort of having new considerations mm -hmm. and it's definitely that audience like who are you writing for and so you know with those field notes you're writing for future researchers and you're writing for future scholars and um, right now a lot of the things that I'm writing for are grant agencies and um, just trying to figure out what are the ways that they would like me to kind of shift 
my my topic into into what fits for their particular uh, guidelines. And so that's something that I'm still working through on how to do that for these different contexts, whether it be National Science Foundation or um, National Geographic. They all have different you know ideas of what that looks like. And so. Um, being able to reorient my research design and my research topic towards that or whatever I'm writing for is really important. And then, you know, being able to translate that into a more public facing way of, of explaining my work. It would be interesting to hear you both talk a little bit more about how you do that. Um, yeah, my job, without going too much into the details about it, is really having to translate a lot of technical, really specific data up to people who don't have a lot of time slash attention to be reading, you know, like a 20-page report or something. People just don't have the time to do that. So what I do is kind of pretend that I'm someone who knows nothing about the topic, would they be able to follow everything that I've introduced, like new ideas? Would they be able to understand it? And then occasionally I will get Mikhail to read it and tell me if he understands what I'm trying to get at, um, because it is difficult to really remove yourself and be like, is this understandable to somebody who has no context about or background about it? Yeah, I agree. I felt like you said that really nicely. Um, being able to figure out like a, a strategy for time and, you know, level of reading and then just commitment to that, especially in uh, social media contexts and um, different types of blog posts. Those are the types of strategies that we use as well. And just being able to say that even if you do not have a background in archaeology or a background in whatever we're talking about at that time, just you'll be able to engage with the content. And I find it very interesting to see how many more people actually do engage once you either, you know, add more images, bring that language, um, like get the jargon out of your um, work and, and just summarize in a way that says like, why does this matter? I think mm -hmm. that that's really helpful and important. Yeah, I think a lot about tone um, because your tone, you know, for your writing where the professor is your audience versus a work email where it's a colleague, uh, your counterpart in another museum or organization or, you know, social media, you're going to take totally different tones to those different styles of communication, levels of communication. Um, and this comes in, I was thinking, the last time I thought about this really in depth was um, writing exhibit labels. So mm -hmm. do you want to write at, the point where you know a grade school kid can follow along do you want to use academic level writing and academic level terms in exhibit labels and then get you know have an explanation and a different definition somewhere else I think it's very healthy to have kind of have that mental exercise and really consider if you're doing all this research does it matter if it's not accessible to other people and then I think a big thing that's really helpful me in writing is how to distill it and come up with a good summary so that, you know, your work or whatever your message is, is usable and digestible. I try to do that. Well said. Um, so what is one thing you struggle with or wish you did better? Oh, that's a really good question. I think that kind of ties into what I was saying before about learning and relearning different styles. 
And so right now what I am struggling with is um, writing for academic audiences, being able to really bring forward a lot of the, um, the grammar and structure of how um, academics write. And especially, you know, um, since I am writing grants right now, to be able to write to get that, to get that money. <laughs> so um, being able to go through that has been a challenge. And so um, mostly what I, like I said, I start with the free write, move into the, the outline, and then from there really start to build that structure of the whole and just making sure that I have enough time to do all of that. And so, um, again, that kind of comes into the whole procrastination thing. And so being able to really plan out ahead as much as possible is something that I need to keep on working with and keep on um, making deadlines for myself. Yeah, I have similar thoughts. I think um, I, th I would just wish I started earlier, just at all times I should have started earlier. I think th the mistake I made for the first assignment that I turned in for graduate school is that, you know, because I'm at a position in my career in my life where I'm more grounded in the material and I'm more knowledgeable about the field, I was like, oh, okay, I know what I'm going to write. I know how I'm going to structure this. I know what my argument's going to be. So it won't take me that long to write it down. And then, of course, when I started writing it, I realized that, you know, my argument was changing. I needed to restructure things or take it from a different angle or actually one component of it didn't work at all. So had I started earlier, I would have figured all of that out first. So kind of not relying on what's in your head and realizing that it doesn't, it's not anything until you put it to paper or, you know, a Word document. Yeah, and being, and being realistic with yourself on how long it actually takes. So I, you know, even if you do block out a certain amount of time and say, okay, well, the introduction is actually only going to take me an hour. Well, actually, it'll probably be closer to three or more, you know, so the, those just being very aware of, of how long things actually take. Yeah, and I think not relying on how long it took me to do a similar thing earlier, because I'll end up being like, well, I, it only took me like a couple hours to do that the last time. But I forget that it was because I was like totally stressed and it was not a good work environment. And really, I do need more time. But in my mind, I'm like, I only needed a couple hours the last time. Yep, we're still working on it, even though we've been doing this for so long. Still working <laughs> on it. <laughs> but um, kind of moving into the next question, the you know what has influenced this and in my approach to writing and has helped quite a lot for me has been the uh, National Center for Faculty Development and Diversity. Um, this has been a really great resource that is available to um, University of Washington students. And it's just a really great uh, program that helps you really become aware of those internal and external barriers to writing and really sets forward a, a really great structure to be able to break down some of those different barriers. I mean, a lot of what we had already talked about, you know, what are those internal barriers to procrastination? What are the external barriers to actually being in, you know, being focused and ready to write? And they really, I feel like they did a really great job of being able to break those down into manageable chunks. And so, 
using those resources and using you know the resources as of my friends my cohort in my department and other writing groups that's really been helpful for me to actually structure my day-to-day -day, you know or weekly writing goals and stuff like that what about you how did you change your approaches to writing over time um, I think I still build a lot or really draw from a foundation that I got before college. So in secondary school in Singapore, which would be like junior high, I guess, or high school in the U.S. We had, and I don't know if this is a common exercise in English classes in the U.S., but we would often get like a passage that you have to turn into like a sentence, maybe like sometimes like a five word phrase or something like that. And I think that exercise makes you really think about the utility of every word, every sentence, and what the main ideas are. And, and then you slowly pare it down to something that summarizes the whole passage. And I think just that exercise, having to do that and having a teacher who was really good at helping us identify and develop those skills, I think it's actually served me well even today. And yeah, having that foundational skill is good. And anybody can do that, you know, outside of a class. You can just go to an article, any piece of writing, and try to find, you know, what parts of it are just like evidence or examples and what's the topic statement. I think that's just a really good skill to have. And even though you're editing someone else's writing, I feel like it makes you a stronger writer. Yeah, that's a really great thing to do just because I, I've done that with abstracts and being able to take what the author is trying to say within the article and breaking that down into something smaller. And so when I'm creating like an annotated bibliography, that's very similar to, you know, what you're saying there. But I never got that in uh, secondary school or in any sort of um, high school experience. So that would be really great to have that foundation there. And yeah, I'm still learning how to do that, but that's a really great skill to keep on trying with. Yeah, I think reading other people's writing and being critical of it, so like having to edit other people's work helps me as a writer. I'm trying to think here. One of the things that I would like to work on, and I've seen this happen, um, is being able to do that right 30 minutes every day or you know, working on a certain thing every day. I am not there yet. I have done certain like spurts of that before, but um, that is something that I know definitely does work. You know, when you're working on a particular topic and writing just a small little bit every single day, it really becomes um, so much better by the end. But creating a practice of that has been um, really hard to do. And I would love to keep on trying with that. We've tried that in different writing courses for me and through um, the NCFDD materials as well. They have like a two week boot camp where you write every single day. And it's definitely helpful. It's just being able to keep that, to keep that um, practice going every, every day. Yeah, I've never tried that writing for half an hour every day. I think I'm, I'm very bad at sticking to like small windows of time because when I do get started on something, I'm the kind of person who likes to hang on to it and just like do that until I stop being productive or it stops being interesting to me. So I think if I had tried that, I, I imagine that I would either like write for 10 minutes and like I'm not getting anything out of this or end up writing for like two or three hours. Uh, so I don't know, maybe I should try that. I don't, I don't know if I will work for me, but do you find that it works for 
different people regardless of their working style and writing style? Right. Um, you know, I think it, I think it w- doesn't work for everybody. I don't think that it's something that will, you know, if you stick to it, you're, you know, just going to be a, a writing superstar writing, you know, 30 minutes a day. I think that definitely has a lot to do with your, you know, internal and external factors and writing styles and stuff like that. But if you are, you know, struggling with anything, I feel like that might be a good way to change it up if, if you feel like changing it up. But mm-hmm. most of the time it's just being really um, aware of, you know, what are those different things that are are good for you and not so great for you when it's time to sit down and write. Yeah, I was just thinking that, you know, even if I someone would try that and it really didn't work out for them, then that would at least create an awareness of what working style is the most productive for that person. So maybe an exercise like that, it sounds like it would be useful for anybody to at least try. And then either it becomes part of your habits or it shows you what your actual habits are. Yep. Mostly just yeah, being aware of what works and doesn't work, you know, um, and then sticking with that. If, if, if it does work, stick with it. Yep. So Glennis, what is something that you have learned about writing that you wish more people knew? Um, I think it's, I think it's pretty common where people try to write, you know, the ideal sentence in their head right away. Um, That's definitely a journey that I had where I was like, well, you know, like I said earlier, I want to write in a linear way. I want the sentences to come out the way I structure them. I want them to, you know, emerge fully formed, um, which I think most people realize is not sustainable. And I definitely have found that, you know, I end up losing ideas when I try to do that. So I think what we both do where we free write (laughs) is a good strategy. And I think it's something to think about earlier. I think as an undergraduate, if I had started out that way, that might have been better for me. And then I think what I wish everyone knew was kind of just think about readability more and really keep your reader in mind. Don't use 20 words if you can use five words. How about you? Yeah, I, I agree. I feel like for the longest time, I thought that, you know, when you see something written, that that was just how they wrote it. No, there were so many drafts involved. There was a lot of time involved. They asked other people to read the drafts. Um, and so that would be is something that when you see writing in any sort of publication, whether if it's in a journal or online, most of the time they are pretty heavily edited and somebody somebody else's eyes looked at that and said, this makes sense or does not make sense. And so um, something that I wish that I knew, you know, from the get go is that, you know, drafts, drafts, drafts. And so that's something that I'm continuing to work with and, and becoming um, less self-conscious about other people reading those drafts because that's how you make things better. I need to learn that lesson. I don't really don't get feedback on drafts very often. I'm still at that point where I'm like, I'll write it and I'll read through it myself a couple times and then I'll turn it in. But I, and yeah, I, I hate reading people's comments about my writing and I need to get a lot better at it. But yeah, even, I mean, when I get comments back from instructors, I like never want to open the document even when, you know, sitting next to me and like don't don't look um but yeah I think so that's a lesson that I need to learn from you 
Well, no, I'm still, I'm still learning it. This is still new territory to me. And I wish I would have known it sooner that I could work and, and um, process this. But yeah, I definitely am, you know, part of more writing groups and, and has turned writing into a little bit more of a social activity rather than an individual activity. And that's helped a lot. You know, I thought that getting comments and stuff back on your writing was something that was really only going to happen in school, like undergraduate or graduate or whatever. But I, in my job, I've definitely gotten, you know, written reports or letters, emails, whatever, and then gotten comments back from either my boss or my boss's boss or boss's boss's boss. And it's been equally difficult to get that critique, but then also really helpful because, again, like getting that new set of eyes, someone who doesn't know every minute detail of what you're doing, getting those comments is helpful. It's difficult, but it's, it's always helpful. I agree. <laughs> All right. What is one tip or encouragement you'd like to offer? Um, writing is hard. Um, really I feel like that really <laughs> embodies the struggle, but I, I, yeah, I don't know. I think my, my favorite piece of advice or tip to give is what I said earlier about um, learning to summarize and learning to edit other people's writing. I just have found that as a really good skill to have. And for me, I would say try to figure out what gets you into that flow state. What makes you excited to write? What time of the day works best for you? What is your learning? What is your writing environment? And then being able to ask for help if you need it. And so um, just being a little bit more self-aware of what works and what doesn't work. And if you find, you know, three things that that work really well, that'll really help you get into that flow state and write and um, really move forward with a lot of these internal blocks. Yeah, I think, I feel like a lot of us are perfectionists, at least I am, and I think that's pretty common in the museum field of wanting to be kind of neurotic about everything, but letting go of that idea of having perfect writing, especially in the first draft, will help you get into the flow, like you said, just kind of accepting what you have right now and learning that you can work on it and make it better. That's great. I'm really glad that I'm not necessarily writing term papers anymore. <laughs> I know that has nothing to do with anything, but I was thinking about I was thinking about that and the types of writing that I do now in graduate school and now that I'm in the uh, PhD candidate kind of sector of my graduate degree that, you know, term papers aren't necessarily a thing and the different writing has changed over time. And I'm, I'm glad to be able to write things for myself and for what I'm very interested in. So I'm thankful for that. Yeah, I, I think so too. I think in coming to graduate school and realizing that I'm writing papers about things that are actually more relevant to my life and my interests and my career, not that I wasn't interested in the classes I took as an undergraduate, but, you know, writing a 12 page paper about like Japanese history or something wasn't necessarily very useful for me long term, um, even though I did get knowledge out of that. Whereas now everything I write pretty much has to do with my career goals or career interests. And that has been, it's made me take, I think, a whole new perspective on writing because suddenly it's, suddenly it's useful. That sounds bad, but <laughs> it's more specialized. So 
in your own life and you know how you can bring that knowledge forward into other aspects of your life and other people's lives mm-hmm. yeah you are so right writing is hard um but it doesn't have to be and there you have it thanks for listening to this episode of write for you and a big thanks again to our guests On behalf of the Odegaard Writing and Research Center, I hope that this has been informative, affirming, and maybe even inspiring. If you want to learn more about the ODVRC, its programs or services available to University of Washington students, faculty, and staff, you can find us online at our website. That's deps.washington.edu slash OWRC. Be sure to tune in to our next episode, available now, where I talk to two more writers about their writing process and practice. In the meantime, for myself and all of us here at the OWRC, happy writing. Write for You is a podcast by the University of Washington's Odegaard Writing and Research Center. This episode was produced, edited, and hosted by me, Hope St. John. Music by Scott Holmes and Unheard Music Concepts and used under Creative Commons license.